Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. you know but i don't really like doing introductions but so my first i don't you know this is really not i don't like the whole whole interview based style but which this is basically is an interview based but you know i guess my first question though and just so we can all get a little bit to to know about you is that you know you're a human potential developer is what the first thing that and i've never heard of that before so i kind of got obviously got a little bit of an idea of what it is but why don't you go ahead and maybe explain what that is and do a little small brief about yourself so the listeners and everybody knows what's going on here how about that i will do that yes thank you i i made that up chris to be oh. quite honest with you <laughs> so i i know that i've spent my entire career helping to develop others. And I've been passionate about that. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, when you go on LinkedIn, it says, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm a human potential developer. <laughs> That's it. You know, I don't, I have uh, friends and family members that are developers, you know, like actual developers of communities and such. And I'm like, wait a minute, I develop human potential. And it's uh, what I do. So I took that track or I got to that place through many leadership positions. And early on, uh, I was a leader in the hospitality industry, specifically with Four Seasons Hotels for a while. Okay. And yeah. And then I, then I had my own business from 95 to 2010 and loved that. So I did coaching, consulting, specifically in like the very, very high end hotels and resorts in the United States. So that was cool because I would do a shopper's experience first. So I'd go and, you know, have a drink at the bar and eat some dinner and have a spa treatment and then write a report. Like a mystery shopper. Right. right. So that's how it all started. It was all good. So that was, I did that when my kids were little. And um, that was a really happy thing because my kids were little and I got to go away and have these experiences. So, yeah. And then lo and behold, I was using my skill set to really kind of improve the experience for the rich and famous because I was in that very, very high niche. And I got invited into healthcare 
So long story short, um, in the, I lived in Missoula, Montana, and the, one of the two small hospitals there said, we want you to work at the hospital. And I thought, I don't have any actual healthcare experience, but they wanted me to take a senior leader role in order to improve the patient experience, the employee experience, and the um, physician experience. And I was like, okay, I got that. And I love the idea that I would then use my skill set to improve those things to improve those experiences across the board. And I did that for 10 years. I loved it. So growing up, I mean, did you see yourself being in one of these roles, you know, using developing humans and working in the hospitality industry? Is that something you always wanted to do? Or is this something kind of where your life path just happened to take you? Oh, yeah, it just took me there. So I was meant to take over my dad's company. And there are probably a lot of listeners out there that were find themselves in that boat, right? Where you're like, that's the right thing. That's what I should do. But then, so I would have needed an engineering degree. I was about to go to university for engineering and um, stopped short right at the last minute and said, yeah, no. And so, okay. At that time it was the eighties. It was very much a man's world. I would have been like the, my dad's company that I worked for, for years, I was the only woman. And I ended up doing, um, I loved it. And I loved doing um, like procurement for him. I worked with a purchasing director, you know, and I'd, I'd call up and be ordering steel and all these things, wing nuts, trying hard not to be a wing nut. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, but it was a very different world. And I, it's not one that I saw myself in long-term. So how I get to hospitality is, you know, in, in college. And then when I moved to San Francisco, I was waiting tables. Next thing you know, they said, we want you to be the manager. I was like, okay, cool. That sounds cool. I was 21. Yeah. You know, I always think about, you know, how life can be just not, I don't want to say odd, but just never know where it's really going to take you because, you know, if everything would have went right, you know, I was kind of set up for that. You know, my dad is a, he's a dairy farmer and, you know, the whole family, it's just always been handed down, handed down, but my parents ended up getting divorced when I was real young and it just, never happened for me. So it's one of those things, you know, it's just always think about, well, how much of my life would have changed if they would have stayed together? You know, would I be doing this right now? Would I be out on the, you know, be out on the farm right now trying to, you know, round up cows or, you know, whatever, you know, and I never had any experience with that. And some of the part of it is just, you know, you never, I guess the whole point is just, you never know where life's going to take you and just, you know, and just right now, you know, I, I went to college and got my master's degree and all that good stuff, but ended up not going down the road that I went and got my degrees in. So it's just, yeah, it's just odd that, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's a universe that puts you in a place where you need to be, or if it's just how life works out for you, if you just take the opportunities that come about, but mm-hmm. yeah, this, I don't, I don't know why you were, why you were talking. That's what I kept thinking about. I really have another question for you, but it's just odd, I guess, you know, it's just wild. Yeah. No, I hear you. So my kids are 24 and 25. And I I, I, I know there's a statistic, I just don't know what it is, to what you were talking about, the, the percentage of people that end up in the job related to what they went to school for. Like, I, I don't think it's a huge number. I wouldn't think so. No. Not yeah. any, especially in today's times. Right. That's right. And that's the other thing. So my father started this company, and he was in it for, I don't know, like, my lifetime, (laughs) he's still doing it and he's in his eighties, but he does. um, So he works for the son of his partner. So that, so I don't step up, but his partner's son steps up 
right? Mm -hmm. And then he takes over the business and then spins it off into another business. And my father still does some sales for him and such. And uh, even though he's in his 80s, but it keeps him young, you know, and that keeps him going. And so he did, I think that's a real difference now in today's age. He did the same thing for decades upon decades upon decades. And, you know, for me, like I've already told you, hospitality, healthcare, and then in between um, my own business, which now has morphed to coaching in all industries. So I coach uh, leaders in Fortune 500 companies. I've started hosting retreats. And so I agree with you. It just sort of morphs. It's just like the door opens, go through it. That's my (laughs) premise. (laughs) In those experiences, so you gather a lot of different, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say that. Well, obviously leadership skills and morals and values, and you get to learn like what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And, you know, when I was going through college, you know, it was always, and even in, when I first got my full-time job, we would always have these leadership retreats and, you know, and you would find out like, you know, the differences and, you know, a servant leadership and an autocratic and obviously dictator and stuff. And you're like, well, which one are you? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I've never really, you know, been a manager. I've never really been a leader. I don't, you know, and I didn't even see myself as a a leader then. And I don't not saying I see myself as one now, but as far as the skills that are applicable to it, that, you know, it's just hard for me to hone in on, you know, what worked for me then or whatever. I mean, the closest thing I ever had when I worked in, you know, when I was going to college, I worked at Walmart and I was a cashier manager or whatever you call it. And that was my first leadership taste. And that was me actually learning like, you know, if you had a bad experience with employee or whatever, just, you wouldn't let them go to a break or something. It's like, could have done that one better. So that's one thing you just learn from your mistakes, but yeah, it's just, Never knew how much emphasis plays into leadership nowadays, you know, and I guess, or it just wasn't, or I just, you know, just blew over it, you know, just didn't even realize it. But yeah, and this experience is just, yeah, you learn from it. Yeah, well, and and your experience is what happens all the time is that you're so seldomly are people that are, they're put into leadership positions without the training, right? So that's like the way. and. Yeah, I mean that seriously, I've built a career because that's the way. Okay. <laughs> right? That's what I've experienced. That's exactly what I've yeah. experienced. That's right, because it's needed. And you know, when I say human potential developer, um in my heart, I want to help anybody be the best who they can be. If that could be the stay-at-home mom, that could be, you know, whomever it ends up. I I make my living coaching executives. Um, or you know, it really different levels of leaders, but a lot of executives. And, but the reality is in my heart of hearts, I'd, I'd probably talk mainly to that leader, like you were talking about, very first time they've ever been a people manager. That's like, that's the person that I really would love to help. (laughs) So yeah, it's just because it's not easy. And there's so little training in that, um, in that, at that level. Right. And so, so in the hospital setting, this is what happens. So you're the charge nurse is the person who's in charge of the unit, right? Like let's say the ICU or what have you. And you know how people get to be charge nurse? The charge nurse is like out sick or quits or something. And then the person who picks up their phone on Sunday night, you know, who answers the phone and they say, yeah, next thing you know, you're it. it." (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was one of the things, you know, I mean, I, I didn't have that experience, but even just when I got my first professional job, you know, I was overseeing a staff of, I work in higher education and I was overseeing a staff, you know, I think I had 15 or 20 employees, student employees at a time. And I was an evening and weekend night manager and, you know, I walk in my first day and got the job or whatever, walk in my first actual first day. And they put me downstairs and my boss like, well, here you go. This is, this is you now. I was like, wait, where are you going? <laughs> and 
And she left for the day. And I was like, well, okay. So now it's like, you know, sink or swim at this point. And that's when I was like, well, got to start learning here. And just, you know, my point is that, you know, you know, I've read books on leadership and stuff before, you know, especially in college, like I was saying. And, you know, we I, were, I don't know if even podcasts were around then. That was probably 2009. Probably just early started podcasting. But, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. And just there was a lot of situations that, you know, didn't go exactly how I want them to. But I've had, you know, good situations and bad situations. So someone like you to at least give me, you know, a guide, uh, a, somewhat of a guide. That's, you, know, you know, well, maybe you should try this, you know, maybe on this next time here. Let's reflect here and say what worked, what didn't work and just, you know, give me some, some idea and just set of, you know, kind of throw you to the wolves kind of thing. And, but, and I don't want to completely, you know, just trash that because there is probably some good things to that because I did have to learn what worked and what worked and it didn't work. And somebody wasn't holding my hand, but yeah, just, yeah, yeah just wish, you know, just, I guess for the most part, it would be nice to at least have some idea, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you about six things that I've boiled it down to. Oh, okay. How about if we do that. All right. Do it. So I've boiled it down to the what I call the six personas of a thriving leader. Okay. So here's number one. Number one is that they're the ambassador of the culture. So what's that mean? That's so that person lives the, the leader, lives the values, speaks to the values, um, speaks to the strengths of the individuals. So that's the part that you know a lot of new leaders don't get. Like Sometimes you think, oh, I have to be the boss, so I have to have all the answers. And that's actually not true. You're going to be the greatest leader when you're leveraging the strengths of everybody else on the team, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. So that ambassador of the culture, the one that holds right together, (laughs) right? And I like to say, because I was in Montana for so long, the one that gets everybody pulling on the same rope. Makes sense. And the rope being the values, right? Sure. So the next one is leader as coach. So that's the the leader is able to step up and have those difficult conversations, hold people accountable, hold one-on-one meetings, give recognition where, where it's due routinely, tie that recognition back to values. And it kind of goes on and on, but I'm just going to give you an overview. Here. That's fine. So leader is coach. The next is what I like to call the chaotic agent. So that continual change agent who can make order out of the chaos Um when I was younger as a leader, people would talk about, well, we're, we're at a, we're at a place of great change. And now that I'm the age I'm in, I'm like, wait a minute, how, when have we never been at a place of great change? <laughs> like, you know, we used to talk about it as like, well, the times are changing. I'm like, wait a minute, they're always changing. So you've, you've got it. The leader needs to be somebody who can embrace change and it doesn't right. ruffle their feathers at all. You know, they kind of, they kind of revel in it even. Right. So number four is life integrator. So the great leader um, integrates all aspects of their life. So they're able to say, um, my my friends and my family and my spirituality, my everything is is important to me. And I'm gonna I'm gonna meander, not meander, but I'm gonna navigate through all those things as appropriate sure. and prioritize them as appropriate, right? Sure. So emotionally and intuitively intelligent. So this is actually the, a persona for the leader in the 21st century. Really kind of, you have to be an active listener. Um, you have to have really good self or situational awareness. So you're, you're attuned to cues at all times about what's going on with others, uh, whether those are clients, customers, or your employees and such. So really tuning into your emotional and intelligent intelligence 
emotional and intuitive intelligence. Um, and last but not least is what I call the proactive and productive juggler. So most leaders go about their day spinning in circles and being reactive, putting out fires. I mean, everybody wow. hear that all the time, right? Putting out fires. So it's when you pull all these other things together that you get to be proactive. You get to lead in a proactive way and get ahead of the game at all times. And so it's, so they're sort of in the right order. You know, you've got to be that ambassador of the culture to begin with. And then it get you gets to the place where now you can be proactive. I'm not going to say all the time, but let's go nine out of 10, 10 situations. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those uh, actually resonated with me and, um, we'll start on here. I'll start on the last one. So I wrote these down as you talked about, and I'll start on the last one just because that was a, one of the most ones I even use now with my current position because, you know, all right, so I work in IT right now in higher education and sometimes they need, uh, let's just say a, a, a terminal or computer, whatever you want to say out somewhere where there's no internet connection or whatever. But before that day, I actually go out there and do a tons of testing just to make sure that everything on that, the day of, they actually need this stuff by it's going to work. And that was one thing that, you know, I guess I never really learned when I was actually younger. Just like, ah, oh, we'll just figure it out when we get there. We'll just fly by the seam of my pants and we'll figure it out then, you know? But now it's just like, all right, you know, you try to take care of, you know, obviously you probably can't get X, Y, and Z taken care of, but you probably get the majority of them, kind of like nine out of 10 things that you promise you might run into. But yeah, just, you know, little things like that just can make a world of difference on anything going very successfully, not causing so much stress and just ruining a whole event or whatever you're doing right there. But yeah, and then... Uh, that's really all I got to say about that one. But number five is emotional intelligence. And I've been hearing a lot about this lately and something that I never even picked up, I guess, until I started podcasting that how much emotional intelligence actually goes into play and just reading people's body language and their tone and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Was that kind of what you were pointing at on that part? Yeah. So there are a couple of key components. One is having empathy. So really kind of feeling into what's going on for the, with the other person and then, um, relations and social awareness and in, in a social setting, it's, it's the same as knowing what's going on around you, right? So you know what I think of? You might be too young for this, but do you know the um, show MASH? I've heard of it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a guy on there called Radar. And it, that's what it's about is having Radar. Like he always knew what was going on, right? <laughs> he was like, always like he he knew when the helicopter was coming in before anybody else heard it. Okay. So it's that kind of thing that you're having that connection at a different level. So your emotional awareness is heightened. And that that actually comes is founded in having really solid self-awareness first. So being clear with yourself about your strengths, your opportunities, you know, where there might be gaps and such. And one of the other key components is um, motivation. And so motivation meaning it, or in the aspect of setting good goals for yourself and and setting yourself up for success. So those are the main components of having an emotional intelligence. Do you think, and kind of echoing, or not really echoing, but going along with that, do you think that we're seeing, how do I want to put this? We're seeing that, you know, with screens and email and everything, we're seeing, a, and not creating that actual human connection and not being able to, we're seeing a lack of actually reading emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we're, we're set up to, um, to denigrate it in some way, right? Like it's harder. I think it's going to be harder for the next generation to have emotional intelligence because they're, the screen time and the lack of connection is 
is not conducive mm -hmm. to learning those skills as easily. They'll still learn it, but it's it'd be a little bit more of a learning curve, I would guess. Yeah, I can't talk about this a lot personally, just because I haven't had a lot of interaction with it. But from other, you know, people I have seen and talked with that, you know, they're saying that, you know, younger generations are, for the most part, unable to hold a conversation with somebody at this point, unless they have a screen, unless they're doing it through texting or whatever. And just, eh, it's probably not the best mm -hmm. skills that they could, they could take with them in the real world, you know, obviously, but yeah. And, and it's, and it's in smaller sound bites. Okay. So it started with um, Twitter, which was like 140 characters or yep. whatever to begin with, and then double that. And then, you know, text, you don't usually do a missive. Well, some people I know do, but you know, normally, you know, there's some more sound bites, TikTok, quick, you know, everything is, sure. it's just all how we communicate has been condensed in, in these various forms. You think, and also just with texting and stuff, you know, you, you touched on communication, just that we're using, you know, slang terms more and not using actual, I don't know, I guess we're not talking or articulating it better as best that we could. Well, possibly not because we're doing shortcuts and the, and the you know, what the amount of time that we have to say something is condensed, right? Yeah. So although I have, my kids give me a hard time if I say, where and the num and the letter R and the letter U, where are you? Yeah. You know? They're like, what is that? Like they, I'm, I'm meant to be spelling it out. And the first time they coached me on that, I thought, seriously, <laughs> like <laughs> your generation is going to tell me I'm missing a few letters. <laughs> yeah. So I think, so that to that end, again, they're 24 and 25 and they're, you know, signing off the social media there. So I think there's hope that there might be a turnaround to come as well, where, where people are starting to say, younger people are starting to say, yep, times suck and I need to get out and interact with people on a different level. Yeah. You know, social media is still the wild, wild west, I guess you could say and that people were, you know, we were never meant to, and I say we, not me personally, but human beings, I guess we're never meant to obviously be sitting in front of screens 24 seven or whatever it is. And that, you know, just the impact, I guess we're starting to learn what, you know, as far as mental health and what it's doing to people and, you know, like communication, as you just said, and, and, you know, and I, I catch myself on it that, you know, I just mindlessly, I, you know, I'm probably addicted to as much as anyone else, but you know, when I start writing emails for at work, you know, I almost start writing as that I'm texting or something. It's like, Whoa, now, whoa, now I guess I can't send that, that there's actually a difference. And, and that, you know, you're, you know, I used to think that I never, I, and, and this is, you know, me personally speaking, you know, because growing up, I never felt like I could hold a conversation very well or, you know, even had the brain power for one. And just that, I guess I don't even remember, I kind of lost my train of thought, but it was just because that I felt more comfortable in front of a screen and actually opening mm -hmm. myself up to a person and, you know, always being wary of like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say something stupid? And, you know, I guess being self-conscious of it all, but, yeah. um, but yeah, and I guess, Hopefully, you know, people are starting maybe seeing that, you know, social media is not the end all be all to everything. And that, you know, I know younger people are actually starting to get off Facebook. I have heard that. And they're saying that's the old people's game now. So, and yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And so, first of all, kudos to you for being somebody who thought that, you know, that you had apprehension about um, discussions. And here you are. Yeah. And like, I'm so thrilled to be on a podcast with you. And you're like running a podcast for Pete's sake. Exactly. So, but I want to talk about that because so I, wrote a, I wrote a book about um, the words we choose. And what, what strikes me about what you just said is, you know, you're there with your headset right now. Yeah. 
ends up that you have your personal podcast is what was telling you, ah, yeah, you know, you might not have the right thing to say, or, you know, back when you felt that way, it's because we have this personal podcast running and it ends up that you're the producer, director, host, narrator, the whole deal, right? Of that podcast too. And choosing the right words, replacing the words that are minimizing or limiting you Mm -hmm. is the way to go. And I hopefully there's, so that's a, a lot of what I do. So when I say, you know, kind of human potential developers, I help people see that. I help them say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Like this narrative, maybe it came from my mother. (laughs) Maybe it came from whatever, my grade school teacher, but I don't need to own it now. If it no longer serves me, I can let it go and replace it with some better words. Yeah. You know, that's, I've had some friends, you know, I've talked with that, you know, they get set in these, I guess you could say negative behavioral pattern and that it's, yeah. And, and they're, I don't want to say, I'm not going to talk for them, but they'll say that, you know, well, this is what my, the way my parents said it. This is the way my grandparents said it. And I was like, well, okay, that doesn't mean you have to do that though. And, and, you know, I understand that may have been your morals and values growing up and that's just how, you know, life was in your house. But, you know, and that's what I had to learn just because, you know, I was, I felt like, you know, again, touching on that, I was very naive with having conversations with somebody just cause I, you know, I never felt like we had, intellectual stimulating conversations with anybody. And so if we got on touchy, and I've talked about this on before, so sorry folks, but you know, if we got on some touchy subjects, you know, like right now, what is it? Roe v. Wade. You know, it's like, mm, I'm going to, I'm getting out of here. You just, I'll just go hide. Yeah. I'm hiding in the back. You know, I'm not going to even touch on it, but, and I'm not saying, and then again, that was part of the reason why I started this podcast just because I wanted to turn that weakness into a, I guess a strength. And, and plus, you know, there's a lot of other things, you know, it, you know, learning to get my thoughts out, connecting with people like you and giving you a platform to, you know, share your stuff on. And just, you know, it's just so cool, actually, just meeting somebody I never would have probably met in my entire life, going back towards how life is odd or whatever. But just through this, now we got a screen in front of us and we're able to send video through the air, and touch, you know, and it's just so wild to me. But yeah, um, I lost my point on that. But yeah, that's yeah just, your friends, your friends. Being yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, one of my favorite quotes and it's the very beginning of my book is uh, the guy named Tom Kenyon said, um, we're creating the world by how we speak to each other. Mm. So, okay. Yes. And if we don't speak to each other, like where does that leave us? <laughs> right. So again, kudos to you for opening up the platform to speak to people, to, to, to hear different voices. Yeah. Like when I think about, we will not be talking about Roe v. Wade. <laughs> right. However, when I think about that or any political things or whatever, part of the trouble that we're in is that people from different backgrounds and in within families and this and that have stopped speaking to each other. And it, when we say, okay, difficult or, not, or easy, we're going to continue the conversation, we get to know what what people fear and what bothers them and what's important to them at a different level. And so it's all about communicating in the end, like how we exist. That's what sets us apart. I mean, in the animal kingdom, there's communication for sure, but our reasoning and our, our ability to choose different words and really decide whether or not we're going to choose words that minimize and limit or choose words to elevate and inspire and move things forward. That's a, that's a trait that we have alone, right? Yeah. What do you think about, you know, competence builds confidence? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 
I, I believe that. And that's certainly been how I came to succeed. I'd have like one thing that I succeeded at. And sometimes people would say, well, you can't do that. You don't know anything about that, but I would do it. And then I would be competent at it. And then I got more confidence. And I, so I, I'm a huge believer. That's absolutely, Chris, how my life has unfolded is I said, okay, well, I don't know any, I'm, it's true. I don't know anything about this, yeah. but I'm going to do it. Right. And they, and then, and then I became competent at it, or let's say semi-competent. At it. There you go. And then I would get some confidence and uh, move forward. So I do believe in that. Yeah. You know, that's one of my things that, that, you know, somehow got ingrained on me that, you know, even if I didn't know how to do something that I wanted to learn how to do it. And even though, and I would admit to it, you know, and I feel like, you know, you don't have to lie about it. You know, what is this? You know, just that if you don't know something, you don't know something, you know, and I'm not an expert in anything on here that I'm talking about and I don't claim to be, but there's enough information out here that, especially, you know, in living in modern times that, you know, I can figure out how to get it, you know, whether it be YouTube, university, books, podcasts, whatever. And just that you don't always have to believe everything that you're reading too. You can find out what's working for you and hey, that makes sense to me. And this doesn't make sense. And then you can go apply that to other things. But yeah, you know, I. Yeah, I agree. I agree highly about that, that, you know, that's one another thing I've been learning too, is just that, mm, yeah, you know, there's so much information out there. And if I really want to learn something and figure something out, you can do it nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that has to be allowed. So that has to be allowed in the home that there, that there are differing opinions and, and a kid can go learn something. And, you know, I, I'll give you an example. We, we homeschooled our kids through the sixth grade and they went to, as they called it, real school in the seventh grade. We thought it was real all along, but anyway, <laughs> so off they go. And our son comes back like, I don't know, it was Catholic school. So it was like in Missoula, Montana, it was the only Catholic, um, you know, college prep school, what have you. And we're not Catholic, Christian, but not Catholic. Anyway, so off they go and he comes back and he goes, hey, mom, this is like two weeks in. He goes, I met the only other atheist in the school. And I'm like, I didn't even know he knew what that word was. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and what do you mean by only other? <laughs> and, yeah. like, and so there, so my point is there has to be the opportunity to explore. Okay, so what's that mean? And you know, dig a little deeper, educate yourself, understand that, you know, so on and so forth, particularly as as kids are growing up, you know, and if everything's sort of like pushed at them and to them and they're not evolving at their own pace then we get a little um, little more conflict than is necessary. So, I mean, we don't have to talk about this if we don't want to, but we were talking about something like this to me and a friend and I at the gym tonight and about how, you know, if I don't have any kids. I just got two dogs. Sometimes you can see them in the background. But um, if a problem came up or a, that, a situation like that came up to a parent just saying, Hey, you know, I think, you know, if, if I had a son, like, Hey, I think I'm a girl or I want to be a girl or whatever, but like, how would you, you know, you talk about what's not create conflict, but would you just explore that and allow them to say, or like you said, uh, I'm your son said, I'm an atheist. I mean, to explore that you go down this road and, Hey, let's talk about this and just not raise conflict. Cause does that automatically just make this situation go zero to a ballistic and just cause it way worse than what you ever intended. Then it's almost a, the son or daughter will just, you know, out of spite, just go th that way that they know just to piss you off or whatever. Sure. Like, well, that is a real thing. That is a real thing. Like, and I live that out. So, okay. So what I mean by that is my choice is no, you're not. 
Like I could have responded like, sure. no, not, right? Sure. And where would that have gotten us, right? Yeah. So it's about exploring, what does that mean? And do you really align with that and why? And let's explore. And so then there's, you have an opportunity to educate as opposed to dictate, right? And then it evolves. And yeah, and I, I mean, my, my personal... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park approach and, and my husband's has been that we're we're open to to how they're going to evolve. So when our daughter, when my daughter pulled me aside, we were on a hike and told me that she identified as bisexual and then eventually said I'm gay and she's with a, a female partner now. It didn't come to a surprise to me at all because um maybe because we she could have she didn't live in a home where that was going to be fussed about you know we were going to allow her to evolve as she as she would different circumstance when my sister said the same thing to my parents right and so there was conflict there was unnecessary well from that's me that's my judgment of it so that's inappropriate that's okay seemed it seemed unnecessary to me and it, it took some time to evolve and I get that you know based on my parents experience and such but yeah, I, I I come from a place where where there eight almost eight billion of us right now, Chris. Yes, yeah, I've, I've read that. I've heard that. So there are eight billion of us on our own evolutionary path, and so they're going to be different paths. And yeah. it it's not my way to say even for my own children, your path must be like this. Like I like that would seem really loony to me. To yeah. Say that. Yeah, you know, I mean. You know, I've had that discussion with my parents, too, just because, you know, I mean, we don't have to make this all about this podcast about this now. But, yeah, just, you know, because, you know, I guess with everything going on in the world now, just how much it's playing. You know, do you know who Douglas Murray is? He's um, I think he's a clinical psychologist and he's an author. But anyway, he had a his take on it was that, you know, apparently when ancient uh, ancient. Yeah. When Greek and Roman civilizations fell apart, it was just because they got on to this whole gender rules and gender aspects and and that's why he's not saying this is going to happen in america but he said that's kind of you know history repeating itself it almost seems just because of all the situations it's coming along but you know i did ask you know my mom one day i was like you know what if i would have said that when i was younger how would it would have been and it was almost that you know kind of like oh it would have been a huge conflict and and then she that's when she asked me the same thing what would you would then i was like well i think you just got to let them explore it you know and you know, there's enough information out there just to, you know, like ask them, well, why do you think that? You know, did you just think that because somebody else at school said that and now you're just trying to fit in or what? But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I said, we don't have to go down that situation, but it was just all my thoughts there that 
topic. But it was just on my head tonight because for whatever reason we were talking about the gym tonight. Oh, that's why we were talking about the gym because there was another teacher down there talking about how much gender and roles like that are playing in high schools now. And it's just almost, you know, they don't know which pronouns to use and what it's like, you know, living in a high school situation now. So anyway. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to take you back to Uh-oh. something that you just said when you said why, when you, you know, why is that important to you or whatever? I'm going to take you back to word choices because I sure. think that might be helpful to your listeners. Cool. Um, so when we ask why, it can appear judgy. You know, why why do you believe that? Or why did you vote for him? Or, you sure. know, what happened? It's like, and I, like, why didn't you do the dishes tonight? Even? <laughs> like, dude, listen, the dishes yeah. are still dirty. Yeah, what's up right? with that, bro? Right. So, so when we ask why, even if you're, it's not your intention to be judgy, it can appear judgy. And so I'm on this huge mission, Chris, to get people to ask questions starting with what or how, because when you do that, you're peeling back the layers of what exists. So what appeals to you about that candidate? What policies are important to them that align with yours or your values or whatever. Um, how do you th- see things changing in our city if we elect that police chief? You know, so if you're in the political conversation, what and how gets you to a place of understanding? But politics aside, if sure. you were doing a one-on-one with an employee that reported to you, asking them, peeling back what and how, what and how, and then the other key phrase is, is tell me. So, you know, tell me, let's so let's say. Why was that project, um, why is the project behind and we're not going to meet the deadline? Judgy, right? Makes okay. sense. What obstacles have we, the, the alternative would be, what obstacles have we, um, have you incurred that might affect the meeting of the deadline? So now I'm interested and I'm peeling back with you in a conversation, the what and how, or tell me about the obstacles or what have you. And then the other key thing about tell me is that regardless of what the person says, like we would be a better place period in this world if someone spoke and we ask them what and how, so a deeper probing question, and then they spoke and then we said, we leaned in and said, tell me more. Mm. So that is active listening at its best and it's really that level of engagement. So it works really well with children. I wish I would have known to do this more actively when my kids were smaller, <laughs> but I'm hip to it now. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, that's I'm, I've never heard that before. But I guess the way you put it, though, why can sound pretty judgy. And I, you know, I was just thinking about situations in my life, right, where some something happened, and I was like, why? You know, I was like, hmm. now that does sound pretty judgy. Like, well, why'd you do that? You know, why why didn't you do that? But and I don't know if that's just because, you know, what are the big five, like who, what, when, where, and why? I guess that was just because I always thought that's what you're supposed to, the questions you're supposed to ask or whatever, but that's not pretty yeah. dodgy. Well, it, it does. Well, in, mm-hmm. if you do any kind of like lean or Six Sigma or that kind of thing, when you're, when you're trying to streamline processes, then you ask the five whys. So you ask why like five times methodically to distill the importance of a process, but that's way different. Like when you're, when you're speaking to somebody and you're conversing and you want to really get to, if you if you do truly really want to get their opinion and to understand, then what and how is going to get you is get you to a deeper place. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's one thing that it's almost a humbling experience because you know, in in, in, in my experience, you know, I've had people come up and say, "Well, why don't we do it this way? Why are we performing this policy this way?" And it's just like, "Well, what? Why, why do you see it that? Well, now I say why, but you know, it's like, well, tell me about that then. Like, why 
I keep saying why now. I'm just like, but um, yeah. Well, let's go over it. Why would this be better than what we're doing currently now? But it makes sense that you know, we'll take a deep dive on here and just you know they might be you might might have some fresh eyes on it, seeing something you don't see, and you know, and it could be one of those things that. Speaking of this, it's one of those things that. You know, I've always hated, like, you know, when I've asked questions like, hey, why don't we try to do it this way from now on? This might be improve it. And I've always hated when people say, well, we've always done it this way. Like, <laughs> and they don't mean it's better. <laughs> I don't mean it's great. I mean, but yeah, that used to hurt mm-hmm. me from no end, especially when I would run something up the flagpole, you know, in, in my job and or whatever. Just, can we can we try this? And, nah, we've always done it this way. We can't do that. And I was like, <laughs> fine. Great. Uh, what's this go stay this stay like this be stagnant so but yeah it, it blows my mind so yeah but I, but I guess that goes back towards number three like with change and stuff that you no know, I guess a lot of people are kind of scared of change but because mm-hmm. they just want things what are we, are we a creature of habits is that kind of coincide well, with it yeah and how you get to what the fear is like that's again that's like developing humans (laughs) and it's my job to go deeper to understand what the fear is I can't learn that by asking why why are you afraid of that like that's how my parents would have been been inclined to ask me but if they say you know what happened the last time you experienced this or how did that make you feel and they you know what and how me (laughs) like I I do this with my hands which your reader or your listeners can't see but I do this because I'm like peeling back the layers of an onion right? Like that's how I feel. You're like, what, how, what, how, tell me. And then you get to the heart of the the situation. Whereas why is like right to the middle, you're going to get one answer and you're done. And you might not have gotten the truth of the matter. Right. Well, that seems like a better way of actually talking with somebody who is not more like an extrovert would be more of an introvert, right? Rather Mm -hmm. than if you just peel back little by little, like an onion that, you know, you'll finally, like you just say, get to the root of the problem rather than just saying like, cause most people might shy away from the, like when I was saying earlier, I would just shy away from the conversation or just being scared to say, you know, what was on my mind, but that seems, yeah. Cause you know, you could peel a little bit and get to the pro the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it was like, okay, this is making sense now. Now we're getting on somewhere rather than just dismissing it right off. Just like, all right, we'll work on it later. Yeah. And the, for the introverts, the tell me more, is the key phrase, right? Yeah. So somebody's talking, they just want to listen in, you know, what have you. So whatever you're saying, and they lean in and say, tell me more, like they're off the hook for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and the person keeps going, right? Well, and, now, and also, you know, makes them feel like their voice is being heard, you know, and that's one thing, you know, I've also dealt with and, you know, in my work experiences and life experiences that, you know, I would give my opinion or, you know, say, you know, obviously what I was thinking about the situation and it would just be rejected, you know, and it was just, be, it would just be kind of like put to the side. It's like, what the hell did you even ask me for then? You know, I mean, if you were just going to dismiss it, you know, and I mean, you know, I hate it when, you know, again, it was not just, you know, we've always done it this way, but you ask for opinions or some one would ask for opinions or better. How do we improve stuff? Better policies, better practices. You give them out. I'm like, all right, we'll just continue doing the same thing. And I mean, was that just because that was your leadership style or one was leadership style just and you were trying to make us feel feel included it just it worked backwards now to me right because it's easier so you're it's sort of giving lip service to including others to some sense of inclusion but it's not actually including the voices is that yeah is that like a leadership tactic that or no, that, that's kind of I mean, people it's a bad tactic. <laughs> yeah. that's what i think of it but yeah. i'm just wondering if people 
picked that up somewhere, you know, along the way and just said, oh, talk, talk with your people like this. And ultimately just go do things your way, your team this way and go do things your way. I, I see it a little bit differently. I see that everybody's running really fast. So they're like, you know, spinning their wheels, spinning their wheels. And, you know, and then somebody says, we got this new thing coming up. Be sure to ask your team about it. And so the person's like, ask team about it. And they go, hey, what about this? Blah, blah, blah. Checkbox. I last team about it. But they don't do anything about it. Exactly. Right. So it's more of a, um, like an exercise. Yeah. That, that, that's, that, that sounds better than what I said, but yeah, cause, because, you know, I'm all for change. You know, I believe if you're not changing, you know, you're not growing and, you know, as long as the change is good, is if it's going to a positive direction. Now, I guess you might ask, well, how do you know if it's going to be a positive direction? Well, I mean, just because you change something, I guess, doesn't mean you can't revert it back, you know, and uh, at least you say you could try it like, okay, it didn't work. Let's move on. You know, we'll figure something else out, you know, and, and I think it's just because, you know, I've noticed that, you know, college or college coaches, you know, with, I've read about this, you know, when they were recruiting players to come to college for basketball, you know, they didn't want to text their players, but that was then going back to social media and stuff. But most of the recruits, that's all they wanted to do was text. They didn't want to pick up the phone. So, you know, these older coaches just learned to start texting. It's like, Hey, this is how we got to recruit now. So you got to stay with the times and the yeah. technology and everything. Yeah. So here's the, here's the big piece of that is that it's all about perspective, right? So that's, what you're talking about the older person had the perspective. I want to do it like this. And you know, the, the, the change was ruffling their feathers and such. So I advise that one thinks about how to reframe things so that they can get their head and their heart around the perspective. So for example, something horrible happens or now you have to text instead of this and you're whatever, like a scenario happens, that scenario, whatever. I believe you can do three things. You can say, what's a positive that'll come of this? So let's take the texting. The person says, what's a positive? I'll get my answer faster, you know, um, I'll, I'll connect on sure. in the manner that they want to connect, what have you. So then the second thing you ask yourself is, what am I learning? What do I learn from this circumstance? And in the texting situation, they're learning a new skill. You know, they're learning how to connect with people at a, in a different generation. And then the third thing is, based on what I decided was positive and what I'm learning, how will that inform how I respond? So that's how you reframe any circumstance. I mean, I've helped people do this where they have to lay off, lay off 500 people. Like, wow, that's horrible, <laughs> right? So, but now to get your head around it and reframe it, what's a positive that might come of this? What will the team stand to learn? And I mean, I've literally worked through this. And then therefore, how does the positive and the learning inform how I'll respond? And it's a way to reframe. And it's a it's actually sort of components of resilience too. When I circumstance happens or a bad thing happens and you're able to run it through that filter, then you're going to come out in a better place. Can a positive be taken from when a person has to say, Hey, we got to, we're laying off 500 people. Is it? Well, it, I mean, that's again, it's a perspective. So it's not a positive for anybody involved, but they're trying to think now what, well, yes and no. I have been involved and I know many people who have been involved in such things and said, thank God, that was like the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sure. You know, where sometimes it's like the light at the end of the tunnel, what have you. So one positive would be that some people will welcome this change. It's as simple as that, right? Yeah. So that would be a positive. Huh. Because I was just thinking, you know, the first time I actually had to fire one of my student employees, you know, 
it's like it was tough, you know, because you know, and I didn't like being the monster, no, but you know, and I was still, you know, and I don't, I'm not, I don't like confrontation, but I knew I had to, you know, again turn that weakness into a strength in order to grow. And but it's like, but like after leaving, I was like, God, you know, I just felt like the worst person in the world, and it was just because it was something stupid. I think you know because they missed three shifts or whatever in a row. And I was like, I gotta let you go, man. And then, you know, I can't just let you do this. And like everybody else think that, you know, you can miss all the shifts you want people to stay on board with that. And I was like, so I was almost me like one of my proving, I don't want to say had to have to prove myself, but I just knew I had, I felt like I had to do it. You know, I guess while you were talking, I was like, well, I guess that was a positive. At least I grew from it and learned that, okay, I can have these tough situations and conversations. So, well, I'm going to give you a few more. Ooh, you also okay. showed to the other people that you're going to hold the team accountable yeah. because the other people are like, wait a minute, <laughs> what gives <laughs> that this person's always late? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So it's not, yeah. So you're, you, the positive is that you upheld the, the expectations that are expected of everybody. And so in, in my perspective is that that person chose, if you, if you were clear about the expectations, that person chose not to follow them. Sure. So yeah. it's, so you were doing your job in pointing that out. <laughs> and then when you had to point it out the third time, the con- there was a consequence. So you're, you're a positive is that you were capable of upholding the consequence and the accountability of what the whole team was expected to do. Yeah. One of, you know, one thing that's always kind of also resonated with me is like, you know, somebody asked me one time, I don't know if it was an interview or in grad school or what, but you know, should a leader be respected or feared? And, you know, I thought about that and I was like, well, I don't want them to fear me just based because, you know, if they fear me, then at what cost is that causing the, you know, the workplace culture, the actual quality of the work getting done itself, but respected makes sense, you know, and just that, you know, I knew that, you know, Going into this new, I'm sorry, my dog's going crazy. Going into this new role or whatever at that time, you know, because, you know, I was roughly 25, I think, and and they were all college age too. And I was relating to them, but I was like, you know, I want to be seen. I don't want to be seen as a pushover, but I want to be respected. And I want to show that, you know, kind of what you were saying that, you know, hey, I don't, I want to hold people accountable. I want this place to actually, you know, because I've always never wanted to ask somebody that something to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. Yeah. And that, that was the only way I've actually known that, you know, I would treat people the way I would want to be treated and stuff that, you know, and if you make mistakes, own up to your mistakes and be responsible for them. And whether good or bad, you know, like you were saying, there's going to be a positive and negative from it, but you end up growing from it. So. Absolutely. I'm so glad you chose respected. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I was like right answer, right answer. Well, ding, ding. <laughs> and, and, and just because, you know, I don't want to overshare on here, but, you know, when I got one of my first jobs when I was 16, 15, 16 years old, you know, everybody was always, you know, when the big boss or would come down the stairs, I was like, a, is that a manufacturing plant? And, you know, everyone would just instantly just sit up straight and they would just be like acting like they're just put writing stuff down. And like, I was like, what are y'all doing? It's like, oh, he's coming. He's coming. And I was like, you know, he'll say something. He might fire you if he sees you just goofing off or whatever. And I was like, you know, I just remember thinking like, why is it y'all are afraid of him? And then I was like, God, y'all were, is this how y'all usually work? And, you know, you, and I, I don't know if that was my subconscious was keeping that in my brain, but I just remember this. I never wanted somebody to always, you know, be fearful of me, but I wanted, you know, I wanted the respect, but it's just cause it never, you know, I don't know. I can't think of a, a fearful leader off the top of my head, but you know, I just didn't want people just being, you know, I hate stress, you know, I try to live a stress-free life and you don't want people living or I don't want people living completely stressed out and just causing the quality of their work to, uh, 
go down. You know, I've always thought if I was able to create something or whatever, become an entrepreneur of a business or whatever that, you know, I'd want people to feel good about coming to work, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, that might be easier said than done just because I've never done it before, but that just makes the most sense to me about how you would get the most out of a team. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's no value in the fear. Yeah, no. I just, I mean, it serves no purpose. It exactly. serves nobody. I was yeah. like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a mob gangster here. Just, you know, you'd be sleeping with the fishes if you mess up tonight or whatever. But, <laughs> but it was just, it just blew my mind that just there's actually that. I guess that was one of the first times I realized there is people like that who are just in fearful of their jobs 24 seven. And, you know, I mean, cause you know, we're human obviously, and we mess up. I mess up all the time. You know, I've had bad podcasts. I say something stupid on here. Then, you know, I'll go away <laughs> like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe, you know, maybe I could have said that a different way. So yeah, just, um, yeah, that's what I try to get out there. And I don't, I feel like that resonates with most people, but I could be wrong on that, but. Yeah. Why? Well, and I would say if it doesn't, if there's somebody listening, it doesn't resonate. They, they should take stock. They should go back to that emotional intelligence, <laughs> dig a little deeper into the self-awareness and say, why am I living in a, in a, not why I'm living in a place of fear. What's that based on and how can I change that? And really dig a little bit deeper into the foundation of that fear, um, because it, it really, it's so unhealthy. This doesn't serve the individual or those around them, right? Particularly if you're a leader. No, it doesn't do anything yeah. for them. And, you know, it just, you know, when building those connections and those, you know, workplace, I guess, relationships, I mean, not actual just so you know, work friendly relationship or whatever, not an actual one, but you know, you're spending most of your time with those people compared to your family in most cases. That's not all cases, but most cases, yeah, you know, roughly 40 hours a week you're spending with them compared to whatever, whenever you get home. So yeah, having those healthy relationships and connections can go a long way, you know, and just, yeah, I think about that when somebody, you know, leaves, you know, like when people leave these podcasts or whatever, I've always thought about when I want somebody, you know, somebody to feel good about how the conversation went and we part ways and whatever. And it's like, that was great. You know, that was, that felt good. But rather than just, you know, just that, mm, I didn't like the way that went, you know, it was just awful. There was no connection. I didn't see anything happening on there. I don't even know why I did that. But that was one of the things that like, well, you know, like if you want to talk about leadership skills or whatever, I can ingrain this on, you know, daily life almost. That, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Parenting. Yeah, parenting. There we go. Everything. Yeah, I know. I keep going back to the parenting. It's not like I've got little kids, but (laughs) but it's just like it's it's human nature. I mean, all the things that we're talking about is, you know, like the fear serves. There's no value in it, and how to communicate with each other. It's it's life. It's not just being a leader. It's not just at home. It's across the board. And really, feel strongly that our our country, maybe even our world, would be in a better place if we were communicating at a higher level. Right. You know, and just doing that communication and, you know, and I don't even know in connecting with more, but just, you know, I, I recently just got my 10 year anniversary where I'm currently working and just, you know, I got, they gave us a free lunch or whatever. And I was like, this is, this is it, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I mean, it was good. Oh, it was, I might be listening. <laughs> yeah, they might be. I shouldn't have said it. Well, I mean, it was good lunch. It was great. I mean, yeah. it, was, it, it was better than nothing, but you know, I've always, I guess what I was getting at was that you know, if I ever had employees and stuff that, you know, how people say, oh, we're going to have a pizza party tonight. Thank you for all your work. And I was like, do people really appreciate those little things? Or is it just like, it's free food, I guess. You know, I guess we'll just take what we can get, you know, but because that was me. I was like 10 years. I mean, that was great. I got a certificate and I'm very, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm not, you know, I'm very fortunate to have that not job and blessed, but, um, but yeah, I was, that's what I was immediately thinking. I kept wondering, like, 
what other people were thinking. There's some of them were there five years, and you know, some of them didn't even eat the. I think we got chicken or something. We ain't eating this. But yeah. All right. So here's my recommendation. If okay. I were in your shoes, I would share that with somebody. You know, when you were talking before about people ask my opinion and then like yeah. nothing happens or whatever, I'd put myself out there and I'd say, hey, you know, and so I'm going to do another word thing for you. But okay. Remember, wrote the book on the words you choose. Sure. You just said, if I ever have employees, you've said it twice, actually. Okay. I would encourage you to say, when I have employees. Ooh. Right. Yeah. You know, you're not the first person to say something like that to me. Right. So you want to speak in terms of. The direction in which you're going, like Wayne Gretzky, like go to where the puck's going, Ooh. right? So if you're playing, that was his big quote. So if you're, do you know field, um, field hockey, ice hockey, right? So when Gretzky, you're playing, yeah. yeah, so when you're playing ice hockey, like you're going to, it's going to hit the wall like pool, but it's not going to, it's going to ricochet with the angle. It's going to go like completely different. So go in the, go where the puck's going, not mm -hmm. like where most people go like where it's going to hit the wall, not where it's going. And so when you're going where it's going, you're going to speak in, instead of if you're going to speak in terms of when. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent with that. And that, and I don't know if that's my, you know, if I'm too much of a realist or, you know, I'm just not thinking about my future quite right, right, or whatever. But I, I do catch myself to even doing that multiple times. But even, you know, before my workouts, like I have a competition that's coming up this weekend. And that I notice that even, I, it's something inside me. I'll catch myself doing it. But it's like, all right, right here, start talking to yourself more positively. Say, hey, I am going to make this lift. Or, hey, I am going to crush this workout or whatever. And just in, I don't know if it's just me, just not, I can't get out of my own way sometimes. But, yeah, that is... It's tough it's, for me sometimes. It's your personal podcast. So there you it's, go. It, it's your yeah, personal there you go. podcast. There you go. And you got it. You got it. Your, your job is to switch up the words. So when you hear like can't or should or won't or any of those ones that are limiting that you switch as soon as you hear them, like, because you, it's like you can see them coming and yeah. you start to hear and you go like, whoa, 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 like, whoa, this is my narrative. This is my show. <laughs> like, we're going to say can and will and, you know, much more assertive, much more forward thinking. Yeah, you know, and I've talked about this on here before, but, you know, Mike, Ty you know, Mike Tyson, boxer, yeah. but he would talk about himself, like, you know, he, he'd be so worried about everything in the locker room and just, you know, self-doubting himself and, you know, having these negative thoughts. But actually, when he actually started to make his way to the ring, he would actually change that. And be, he would call himself a god right then, you know, and he's like, and insulated, he's like, everything changed. But yeah, it was just, I don't know, he's, I can't remember what it was. But once he did that, he knew that he was on. Once he yeah. just spoke those words. So. Well, it no one is, um, no one is, can avoid it. Like, regardless of who you are, you can't avoid that negative talk. It's the most successful people are simply better at switching it out. It mm -hmm. starts to come, it comes out of nowhere, and they go like, yeah, no, that ain't, that ain't true. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, the thing is, you have to replace it with something. You can't just go like, that ain't true, and throw it out the window. It needs to be replaced with something that you keep saying and keep repeating and believing, and then you can lift X number of pounds or whatever, because yeah. you know you can, you told yourself you could. Yeah. Because here's the deal. For as long as you tell yourself you can't do something, you're right. Ooh. Right. That is that is it right there. Okay. Simple as that. For, yeah. for as long as you say I can't do this, you will always be right. That makes perfect sense. Okay, I'll write that down.
Right. So the opposite happens. The minute you start telling yourself you can and when you have employees, it'll happen. I think that's a lot. And I know we kind of get short on time right here, but I think that's a lot because, you know, growing up that it was always, you know, I don't how how should I put this that, you know, it was always, hey, take the steady path. Don't take a chance on something, you know, have a plan B. Um, you know, it was like, you know, if you, and if you told somebody like, well, Hey, I plan on being CEO of Microsoft when they was like, well, you're not probably not going to happen. You don't have the brain power. And I was like, Oh, let me shut that down real quick. But you know, and it was, just, I, th- I think that's probably part of what it was. You know, I grew up in a real small town and nothing against that though, but it was, you know, one of those things that, you know, if you made it out or whatever, you kind of did okay for yourself, but it was kind of one of those things. So oh, you'll probably just end up at one of the manufacturing plants and just live out your life there. So I think just kind of subconsciously and like some of that still ingrained and maybe that's part, maybe it could just be my personality. I don't know, but I think it's something that most people deal with. And yeah. it's just hard to be like, like I said earlier, somebody once told me that I was my own worst enemy and I believe that. And just, and it's one of those things like that. And, and I'm glad you called me out on it because you know, when I actually catch myself out on it, it's like, Chris, stop doing that, dude. You know, you know, you're better than that. Have some self-confidence, you know? And so, yeah. yeah. So here's the question that I asked myself and, um, I'll leave you with this is like, what purpose does that serve or what value is there? Like when you hear the, this talk going on and you're like, wait, where'd that come from? I, this is what I ask myself. I'm like, well, what purpose does that serve to believe that whatever that thing is, right? Or what value is there in believing that? And then I usually go, yeah, none. And I, then I switch it out yeah. <laughs> with what, what is of value to me and my future or what have you, or those around me or what have you. And then I, and I will know to switch it out. So that's the question to ask. Yeah. Just to touch on that real quick. Somebody else told me something like that one time. And just that if you ever start doing that, just put a red stop sign up in your brain and just mm-hmm. say, stop yeah. and go the other way and go back the way you weren't. But, right. but this was great. Um, why don't you go ahead, like, Why don't you take the time, plug in all your stuff. And if people want to find you and your books and all that good stuff, how do they do that? All right. Well, I'm kind of laughing that it's turning dark while we're talking. I saw like your lights are going out. I was like, how long have we been talking? I was like, wait a minute. So it's, like, no. it's because the windows are all, we're all, we're all, they're still all open, but it's getting okay. dark. Anyway. Um, so my book is called the words we choose your guide to how and why words matter. It's on Amazon and all the places that one can order such a book. And um, my website is thriving leader. Um, singular collaborative.com and that's where I do leadership development and have retreats and such and my email is terry spelled t-e-r-r-e at shortgroup.net in case somebody wants to contact me directly cool would be awesome cool well thank you again this was I'm glad you took the time out for me to get some of these thoughts out and explore some of these ideas this was fun for me so it was fun for me too no I I loved it good I could talk to you forever. So yeah, I felt like I was like, oh, that'd be great. I felt like there was a couple more things I had written down here that I want to explore. And I was like, well, you know, we'll do a part two sometime. So anyway, um, anything else you want to say before we uh, call it a night? No, it's a, <laughs> before it gets completely dark. Yeah. And you <laughs> I'll have to get up and turn lights on. No, no, it's totally good. And best of luck to you. I can't wait until you have a, a team of employees. All right. Thank you about that. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. We're out of here.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 